Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello there and welcome to the Times Business Podcast where we look ahead to news that will be moving markets over the coming days. I'm Robert Miller. This week that means another massive boost for the ailing Eurozone, a stock market bounce that frankly most investors can only dream of, and finally gold. Is it really an alternative investment asset or, as some would have it, a quicker way to lose money than the bookies? I'm joined by Philip Aldrich, economics editor of The Times, Marcus LaRue, our industrial correspondent, and Martin Waller, Tempest editor of The Times and our top share tipster. Philip, let's start with you. Just want you for a moment to listen to this clip of Mario Draghi. Within our mandate, the ECB is ready to do whatever it takes to preserve the euro. And believe me, it will be enough. We went through the archives. When roughly do you think he said that? That was his famous "whatever it takes" speech, which was um, which was sometime uh, summer or, or autumn 2012. You're absolutely right, July 2012. But he could have said it any time. He might even have said it last week when he was talking to the members of of the European Commission and, and Parliament. Is he any nearer to saving the eurozone, in your view? Well. It's different now. That was obviously in the middle of the sovereign debt crisis and the uh, banks were were about to go uh, pop. Uh, so what we're facing now is a deflation uh, trap uh, and uh, sluggish growth. Uh, so he's facing a different set of challenges. So he, they have done some uh, good work on the banks, but they are certainly no closer overall to fixing the eurozone. He is due to make a, a decision, or along with the European uh, Central Bank governing board, shortly coming up... He's hinted already, hasn't he, that even more stimulus might be coming along. What do you think, first of all, it might look like, this extra stimulus package? And secondly, the stock market's going to take any notice? Yeah, the I mean, they'll certainly take notice if nothing happens. It's going to be more of the same. The, the talk is of another small cut in interest rates, which is the deposit rate, particularly on banks. And this is already in negative territory. So it's going to be deeper negative territory after he's uh, acted. And um, the other tool that they're uh, using to um, stimulate the economy is quantitative easing. At the moment, they're, they're printing uh, or they're buying 60 billion euros worth of assets, government bonds mostly, um, uh, every month. And that could be increased to around 70 billion uh, or, or even more, which would again be a, a sort of another, stimul- another stimulus for the economy. This Obviously, this is about trying to get, because they're back in deflation, this is about 
trying to get growth going again in the eurozone. It has picked up from last year, uh, from the previous year, and it's, and there were signs that growth was beginning to strengthen. We've obviously been hit with all these kind of international headwinds, the China fears, just general market malaise, and uh, and the ongoing concerns that Europe is never going to grow at the kind of growth rates that we would have expected. Um, it's another kind of another last ditch effort to to rescue the euro. Well, we'll see if it is the final last-ditch effort. Martin, <clears throat> I have to say one thing. At least he didn't... I don't think he said at the time we have the variety of instruments at our disposal, which is the normal message we get from the ECB time again. That's the one sound we haven't had at that time. But I, I'm wondering, how long can you push on a piece of string? I mean, 60 billion, 70 billion, 80 billion? It, it, I get no concept that that can have any transformational effect. Well, that's the, the sort of the, the definition of the liquidity trap, isn't it? That where no matter how much more stimulus you do, it no longer has any effect. Uh, and, and it's because the monetary policy transmission mechanism just no longer works. And when you have cut rates so far, uh, into the, in, I mean, obviously, with the deposit rate for banks is in negative territory. When you have chucked so much more money into the system through quantitative easing, you know, the, the, the scale of additional stimulus has to kind of ramp up even, even more for it to have the kind of dramatic effect that it had at the start of the financial crisis. So we've had recently um, uh, Mark Carney warning that we could be, unless there's coordinated international policy action, we could be entering a period of low interest rates, low inflation and low growth, which is basically the definition of secular stagnation that's been um, and uh, the, the warning from Carney was really that yes we're, we're really close to a liquidity trap now where we will just be stuck in a period of just really weak growth for a very long time And Phil how much do you, do you think there's a worry about the, the kind of the feedback effects of negative rates I mean that you have this credibility problem that central banks seem to have everywhere with you know Carney with this forward guidance that's now completely in tatters you had the the Chinese travails from earlier earlier in the year, and then Draghi's bazooka, or as Martin said, is you know his his variety of instruments that seem to be seem to be dwindling slightly. And a lot of people are beginning to say, certainly at the start of this year, that negative rates were was some of the reason that that the equity markets were in, in complete chaos. Yeah. Uh, it, how, how big a concern is that for them? Are they beginning to sort of? Well, one of the, yeah, one of the big issues in the markets is that is is that. People believe that central banks have run out of policy ammunition. Carney insisted that they haven't, but clearly from his speech, he thinks they're getting very close to that point. Uh, negative rates, the, they were a you know, quantitative easing uh, people looked at for years. Um, you know, Japan had done it before they launched quantitative easing. Bernanke in the US had done a paper on it you know, several years before they launched, and they took a long time, uh, well, so, you know, several months before quantitative easing was actually launched because um, it was sort of six months after the crisis struck. With negative rates, it was, it's kind of been a sort of a knee-jerk uh, reaction to the crisis, and, and I think they're now, post the event, analysing the impact. And uh, as you hinted at, there, there is an impact on banks uh, where it, it's actually beginning to it's causing problems with bank profitability it, some people are saying that it's actually having a reverse effect because the profits that or the, the, the money that is lost on the deposit side that banks because you normally make a profit on deposits as well as loans because they're losing money on deposits you end up having to increase your fees or increase your rates on the on the loan side of the book which is which is having completely the opposite effect of what you want so I think people are, are beginning to question whether negative rates is a particularly good idea. All right, well, there's lots to chew on there. And coming up on the programme, we still have that sector that's bounced like nothing else. 
and, of course, gold, should you be in it or out of it. The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. 2016 has been branded the year of the SME. This is your year. Time for your business to stand out. Are you ready? Vodafone's Ready Business Britain, in association with The Times and Sunday Times, has all the advice, insights and analysis your business needs to make this your year. Get ready. Visit readybusinessbritain.co.uk. Welcome back. Now, we promised to look at the uh, sector that's given the most bounce this year, and it is, of course, commodities. Marcus LaRue, our industrial correspondent, is with us. Marcus, extraordinary, all double-digit growth for the major miners. Would it be fair to say this is the end, if you like, the bottom of the cycle in commodities and that the only way is up or is it a full storm? I, I certainly think it's a bit of an exaggeration to say they've definitely turned the corner. I think more accurate it would be to say that, that it's an indication of how far they fell in the first place, that if you go back to earlier in the year you had Glencore at less than 70p, Anglo-Americans doubled from its its, its recent lows, and these are sort of these are FTSE 100 companies, you know, that, that that are dropped down to maybe a third of their, their peak values, valuations. So I think there was probably a certain amount of the minute you had any tailwinds coming from commodity prices, which w- was ultimately a, a China story, any any bouncing in, in, say, the copper price was going to feed straight through to those valuations. And then the short sellers, the guys who are, who are you know, selling shares they don't own, have to scramble to, to close their positions and that always has a, a, a sort of popping effect. There are a lot of people out there saying this is you know what's called a, a dead cat bounce, that if something falls for for long enough, it will have a, a bounce that will, on mathematical terms, look fairly impressive for a short period of time. And I don't think that's true, but they're not out of the woods, not in a, not in a sort of fundamental way. And of course, the trouble is it's all come a bit too late for investors. We've seen the fairly swinging dividend cuts in the sector in the reporting season earlier this year. And not only dividend cuts, which are quite painful, but a shift by a lot of companies from a progressive dividend policy, which means we will keep paying up and up and up through the cycle, to a what we can afford dividend policy, which means some of the heaviest payers of income on the market are going to look a lot more constrained in the future. I don't think the market has just really taken account of what this will mean for future dividend and future income and future earnings. We've, we've missed this one. I would also point out, amid all the euphoria about the copper price hitting a three-month high this week, etc., etc., that Moody's, the rating agency, today downgraded BHP Billiton on the basis that the market had changed structurally and would not recover to where it was. Can I ask, ask both of you... Um, Perhaps you first, Martin. Is there a decoupling for investors to take into account here between the commodities that you've mentioned, the raw materials, the iron ore, the copper and oil? Is there clearly a different investment case for each or are they all lumped together as commodities? I think that the oil price has risen, but not to the extent of other commodities. Uh, But it is still at a place where the oil industry is in a very painful place indeed. I mean, 36 a barrel as against 30 is not a huge improvement. It needs to go to 50 or 60 to get a lot of oil companies out of the water. That's a appalling pun, I know. But the point I would make is a lot of share prices have followed it up. And BP share price is up 15% this year. It's not entirely clear why that should be if the oil price is stabilised at $35. That's, the investment case there is 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 somewhat unproven. The, the short answer to your question is, is yes, there is a, a decoupling. The, and the reason for that is pretty simple. The way up was a, was a demand story. And you had China gobbling down anything it could it could get its hands on. Supply takes a while to react. On the way down, actually, the demand side for a lot of these commodities isn't too bad. You, you know, the, the, the surplus in, in, in oil 
is you know roughly a million barrels a day in a 95 million barrel market and it's growing this year the problem on oil is the the huge inventories around the world and the fact that that the supply response has been slow because the american frackers have hung in there like nobody's business to their their credit i think you really have to look the key thing at the moment in this phase is is the supply reaction that varies hugely from 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 commodity to commodity. It just so happens that 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 in general terms, yes, there is uh, there is a surplus in, in most commodities at the moment, but it'll take different amounts of time for that to feed through. Iron ore looks like it'll be unprofitable for all but the big three producers until I'm a middle-aged, uh, grey-haired man like yourself, Robert. You know, uh, rather than copper, um, copper might have straightened itself out in in eighteen months. Just a thought with interest rates at record lows and with commodity prices right on the floor, there is no better time for infrastructure investment really is there for businesses or governments to build. Do you think that might come to the rescue then for for the commodity sector? It actually might be governments, as you say, investing in their own infrastructure. International policymakers would like to see that happen, but you you don't get the impression that there's going to be some coordinated response here. Germany has been told to do it for years. Others have been are also being encouraged to spend uh, to borrow to to build, but there's a reluctance to do so. Oh, sorry, I was just going to say it's, it, it's one of the big surprises of, of the response from the great financial from the for the financial crisis for me is that, that this is the one area of the 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 macroeconomic textbook that the 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 supply siders and the Keynesians ought to be able to agree on, which is infrastructure at both expands the, the, the you know capacity of the economy and it, it boosts aggregate demand. But you've probably really only got that sort of first term, you know, Obama measures are the only things you could really class, you know, as, as a sort of as as a kind of infrastructure, you know, aggregate demand mm. boosting and response. It's, ne- it's never been cheaper to do it. Uh, yeah. So anyway, interesting. Well, I think you I think we should both appoint you to ministerial positions. <laughs> see where we go from there. We couldn't really talk about commodities and not mention gold. I mean, the price is up 17% this year. It's one of the top performing commodities. Let me start with you, Marcus. What's the backdrop to this? I mean, if, if I was going to invest in it and I did proper research into the market, is it a good time or bad time in your view? Well, the the, the background is that, you know, historically, you don't need me to tell tell you that, that, that gold is the ultimate, supposed to be the ultimate safe haven, you know, in times of, of turmoil or inflation. It acts as a store of a store of value and a sort of a counter cyclical investment. It hasn't really happened until the start of this year. It was just overwhelmed by uh, by tapering by by what people were doing in response in anticipation of U.S. interest rate rises, which overwhelmed any any safe haven impact whatsoever. This year, probably because we've had the the U.S. finally beginning to raise rates and perhaps a bit of a bit more visibility about when those rate rises will come through, it, it shot up. Now Oliver Kahn wrote a very interesting uh, comment in our he pages did, in problem, um, yes. last week, pointing out that unlike a lot of a lot of other investments, it has no intrinsic value. It doesn't a, a bar of gold doesn't pay you interest rates uh, or it doesn't pay you a dividend or it, it has no yield. And that it is, as a result, you know, sort of pure specula- speculation, for the simple reason that it entirely lost its its kind of safe safe haven credentials 
for a long period 18 months ago. I have simply no idea because it's basically a decision on, you know, the, the, the people who know most about, about US interest rate rises are uh, the bond traders. So if, you're, if, you're, if you think you know more about it than they do, good luck. I don't. Martin Waller, well, you write about it a lot. And, and from an investment viewpoint, what do you think of gold? Gold is not an investment. Good point. Simple as that, really. Because Marcus' point, gold doesn't pay a dividend, is obviously self-evident. Gold is as much an investment as the 330 Utoxeter. It comes in, it doesn't come in. It doesn't come in, you don't get anything, you lose your capital value. If you look at the current economic climate, we have virtually no inflation. So you're hedging against inflation that doesn't exist. We have expectation of the interest rates will probably rise at some stage in the US. It doesn't make sense buying gold. If you accept that recession fears have been somewhat overdone and we're not head, all heading to hell in a handbasket, it does make any sense buying gold. There's, there's very little reason to buy gold. And one reason people have bought it this year, I think, is as a hedge against falling stock markets. Because we saw what happened in January and February and we saw the terrible things happening in the market. People were saying, buy gold, it'll hold its value, your shares won't. Your shares could be off by 6% by the end of this week and gold won't. What you're actually doing is betting against the markets rising. Because if you think there's a link between the gold price and the stock markets, then if markets rise, the price will probably, of gold will probably fall. Hasn't happened yet, but logically speaking, that must happen. It, it isn't an investment. It's the thing you use for fillings in teeth. To, to, to just reinforce Martin's uh, point, if it needed reinforcing, one of the reasons why physical gold demand had a, had a, had a strong second half was a strong Diwali season in, in India. This just proves, sort of backs up this lottery idea. Why did it? Why did? Why was there a good a good Diwali season? Because Indian farmers were feeling a little bit more plush coming out of a pretty bad El Nino uh, rainy season. If you think you 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 can second guess factors like that, then fair play to you. I think that 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 you know you can you don't need to take investment advice advice from the likes of me. But having said that, you know I think that's enough reason to think that there might be safer bets out there. Good. Well, sound advice there. Certainly think twice before you take a punt, either at Utoxter or on gold, possibly. Well, thank you all very much indeed. And that's just about it for now. But remember, you can keep up to date with all the results and indeed the spot gold price, which is over 1200 at the moment, I might tell you. Uh, that's on our website. If you are a time subscriber, you can sign up to our daily morning and lunchtime emails. And we still have a special £1 offer. So you'll find that if you don't have a subscription at thetimes.co.uk. And if you want to hear us weekly, you can subscribe through iTunes. My my thanks to Philip Aldrich, Marcus LaRue and Martin Waller. They're all on Twitter, so please do follow them. We'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. The Times Business Podcast is sponsored by Vodafone's Ready Business Britain. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.